morning. This is Community Pulse, your local report on the coronavirus pandemic here in mid-Missouri. And as I said earlier, today is a special day, not only because of our pledge drive, but because today is the final episode of Community Pulse, and we are here to celebrate the end of this program by reflecting a bit on all we've been through during this pandemic, our community's response, this program's response, where we are, what's next, uh, because while this program may be ending, uh, we're certainly not out of the woods yet, but uh, I am excited today to be joined live by Dr. Elizabeth Alleman here in the studio, and we also have co-host Jenny Chadwick on the line, as well as regular contributor to the show, Sarah Davis. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. And I should also mention we are joined by uh, uh, our host, our show engineer, Mazino Dixon, here in the studio. My pleasure. Good morning. Thanks for being here, Mazino. Oh, oh my pleasure. So this is just so bittersweet, Tim. You know, when we talked about doing this show, starting the show last spring, I don't think we had any idea we'd still be here in the summertime uh, over a year later. Uh, And then it started to feel like it was never going to end. And now here we are at a time where it just feels like um, the community knows what what they need to know. I don't think that there's this uh, huge, uh, desperate need for information. And I think that most people's conversations and um, news reports are moving to primarily thinking about other things, and then this is just a thing in the background. So um, just, you know, this is the last time to do it, but to review the numbers a little bit, Boone County numbers are still low. You know, we're having less than 10 uh, average daily cases, new cases every day. We have, um, you know, we're also seeing very few Boone Countyans in the hospital. However, the Boone County hospitals are now back in the yellow zone. They were in the green zone for several months. And what does that mean exactly, the yellow zone? So it just means that they have had to adapt their hospital um, operations to because of the, um, the number of COVID patients they have in the hospital. So it can mean many things. It could mean that they are not accepting um, ambulances from other hospitals. They may not be... Um, accepting transfers, um, they may have uh, their um, their surgery and procedure schedule may have been affected. Uh, so it, they don't say specifically which hospitals or exactly what. But we spent most of the pandemic in the yellow zone. Um, as I my understanding is, we never went into the red zone. So we sort of have an on-off switch here in Columbia. It's like either we're in the green zone or in the yellow zone. So, um, but we do have increasing numbers of uh, people uh, in the hospital with COVID, and probably those are from outstate areas. In the state, we are seeing stabilization or a slight increase in numbers of cases, and those seem to be driven by things that are going on in north-central Missouri and then in the southwest part of the state around the Springfield area. Um, And then in the United States, we see um, uh, we've had a fairly precipitous drop in cases since uh, the beginning of of January. Um, But that seems to be leveling off, and we may be seeing some slight increases in cases. And worldwide, most countries have declining cases, but there are a few countries that are still... um, really struggling with the number of cases that they have, and there are some countries with increasing cases. In the United States, we're seeing a decline in the number of uh, vaccinations every day, but we are still having a million or so new vaccinations being given. 
we have opened uh, the vaccinations up to people 12 years and older. And I just want to remind everybody that the vaccines are free. They are available. Everyone aged 12 years and older can get a vaccine. And there is no reason to wait for someone to call you. Uh, I'm still hearing stories of people who are thinking their doctor or their caseworker is going to call them. They are available at most pharmacies and uh, through uh, hospitals in the state. So um, people may ask you for an in insurance card, and that's so they can bill your insurance, but there will be no charge to the individual. They've actually, like, that's, like, against the law. So, um and I have not heard a single story of anybody being charged for a vaccine. Um, so these are free. And their safety profile is actually better than what we had hoped. And their efficacy is, is better. We are seeing an, is, uh, the arrival and the spread of what's now being called the Delta variant that we first called the India variant that has a long series of numbers that I've forgotten. Um, and that seems to be more contagious even than the variant that we initially saw in the United Kingdom. So even in the United Kingdom, this Delta variant, the India variant, is now accounts for about 60% of cases. It's a little bit more contagious, and it seems to be uh, affecting younger people. And we don't know whether that's because of something about the virus or because of our vaccination pattern, that most of our... Um, population over the age of 50 or 60 has been vaccinated. And so we are, when we see these younger um, demographics, we're not sure exactly what that is. So right. And presumably most of the people contracting COVID are those who have not yet been vaccinated. Almost everyone who is getting sick enough to seek medical care, or be hospitalized or die from COVID has been, is an unvaccinated person or a not completely vaccinated person. Okay. So, so I'm still urging people, if you're waiting to get a vaccine, I don't know what you're waiting for. Like, let's, let, uh, I would encourage you to do it <laughs> because I'd hate for you to wait until you got sick. Yeah. So anyway, so those are the numbers, and it's with bittersweetness that that's the last time I'll do that on the air, for at least for now. <laughs> yep. Oh, it is, Elizabeth, for sure. And, I, you know, I was just thinking about so many things that you have said and that we, we know more on. And, that you know, our community does know so much now. We know how the virus is transmitted. I, I can remember, you know, when we were doing this show earlier, and, you know, we were like, okay, we should wear masks. It's a smart thing to do, but we're not really sure that the science supports it, right? Yes. We know now still. Um, right. We should get vaccinated, and we see the efficacy of these vaccines. Um, I, I know that I read in the Washington Post this morning that, you know, right now 6% of the U.S. cases are the Delta variant. And when we think about delaying the vaccine and, and what are you waiting for, interestingly, um, Abrielle and I were talking last night, and she was saying that the study on, you know, Europe administered the vaccine and then they waited 12 weeks to do the second dose so that they could cover more people with the initial dose. Right. Um, what they're seeing with the Delta variant is that initial dose is not, it does not have the efficacy um, uh, for it, that it had for other variants for that one dose. Right. Um, so you need the two doses. And so do not wait. Get it today so that you can get your second dose um, as soon as possible, because we know that the new variants are more aggressive and that, you know, it's more contagious if you haven't had both doses of your vaccine. Right. So just to be clear, the first dose has some effectiveness. So it's, yep. you're, it's better to be have one dose than no doses, but you do better if you've had the second dose. And um, 
Yeah, we have definitely changed what we've said over the time, but we haven't changed our, like we haven't gone back and forth about masks. We nope. we thought they might not be a great idea, and now we know that they are helpful. So, so Sarah Davis, I'm wondering whether what your what thoughts you're having right now. Oh, I was pondering that last night, thinking about this last show. Mm. And first, I have really enjoyed taking a deep into research that you wanted to cover on the show. I really enjoy synthesizing studies um, to talk about on Community Pulse. That was really fun. It prompted me to take a close look at data, and I love data. And I hope that going forward, everybody continues to look really closely at the information that's coming out. Um, That's one of the ways that we can be well-informed. Not just reading headlines, but taking a close look at the information that's being released. And hearing you and Jenny both talk about vaccinations, I want to say that I am so very grateful to everyone who has been vaccinated. Some people have had side effects that were really not fun and uh, maybe even kind of problematic. And it has been such a gift to everyone in the community and all the people around you you to get vaccinated. I'm also really grateful to everyone who has participated in the V-SAFE reporting system on the vaccines. But the way that we know how they work, the way that we know about the safety profiles is by people participating in those programs and they're voluntary. So thank you so very much, everyone who has gotten vaccinated and everyone who has participated in those programs. I feel the same way, Sarah. I'm also grateful to everyone who has been vaccinated because um, they matter. And the people I know who are irreplaceable to me in my life, which is probably everybody I know, um, (laughs) every time they tell me that they've either, you know, been infected and recovered or vaccinated or both, I just get a little weepy, like, oh, thank goodness you made it through. Um, and now now we get to, you know, see the next thing that's going to happen in life. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and it wasn't that long ago where, you know, the prospect of a vaccine was just a big question mark right. for and all we, of us. We hoped that maybe we'd get one that was 50 or 60% effective. Exactly. And then we got one that was more like 90 to 95% and um, nearly 100% effective in preventing death from the original variant. Mm-hmm. And that brings me around to, you know, I haven't been listening to how y'all are doing pledge pitching. I'm so sorry. But um, <laughs> to the gratefulness for, the, for a community radio station, um, Jenny and I and Sarah and I have talked several times about how having this outlet has really um, helped us as individuals to be feel like we uh, were not so powerless and um, silenced uh, during a pandemic when there were certainly people who were being deliberately misinforming. There were also public people who were clearly being a little bit limited in what they could say. So I'm remembering last year in like March when everybody was, when the public people were saying we don't have any community spread and we weren't testing for community spread. And I thought that my head might come off sometime, every time I heard somebody say that and imply that we <laughs> knew there was not community spread when you could only get tested if you had traveled to a hotspot um, or you um, were the close contact of a case. So we knew that the first time we would 
we would document community spread was the third way you could get tested was if you got so sick you ended up on a ventilator. And that indeed, that's how we first documented community spread was somebody got sick enough to get on a ventilator and we were able to say, oh, well, they don't have any of those other risk factors. Mm -hmm. So the ability to have a place where we could speak and we could talk and we could ask people what their questions were you know, the community really responded by sending in questions, and they were great questions, some of them very specific, some of them very general. And to have, you know, you, Tim, be able to say, yeah, I think that's a great idea. Let's pull it together. It didn't take very long. <laughs> it took maybe just a few days. I think we talked on the phone, and you had the right. idea, and we, we decided to make it happen. And, and, and the other people who um, felt an ownership and had been responsible for being on the microphones in those times, mm -hmm. just graciously, I don't know how gracious they actually were, but they stepped aside willingly. Um, and, uh, it was just a real, um, act of generosity. And I, there's nothing other than community radio that could have done this. I agree completely. And, you know, I think that's a great opportunity, uh, to just reflect a little bit on the value of community radio here, um, not only just for spreading local news and information, but all the, the great uh, music and entertainment and, you know, whatever reason you tune into KOPN, we're here for you in mid-Missouri 24 hours a day, seven days a week, often within arm's reach, whether you're in your car, turning on your radio, or uh, tuning into our web stream yeah. on your smartphone. You know, KOPN often can travel with you in your pocket wherever you go. And, you know, the, the offices, even though we're in a little, still a little bit of pandemic limitation, we'd like mm -hmm. for you to wear a mask when you come in the station unless you've shown us your vaccine card. Um, it's still a very accessible, okay, we got stairs, we're working on it. Mm -hmm. But if you can do stairs, um, you can come visit us in, in uh, the Columbia Business District. So um, it, we really are your friends and neighbors who are... Um, putting together a radio station and it's really been an amazing thing yeah and so if community radio it's something you can get behind we encourage you to to give us a call and yeah. that number is 573-874-5676 sarah is uh, standing by out there to answer your call or you can go online at kopn.org when you talk about community radio, I don't think I ever thought of myself as hosting a radio show and being a radio voice. <laughs> I'm sure I never thought of myself as that. And I have absolutely loved it. And I think that that is the treasure of KOPN. It, it is truly led by our community voices, and it gives us opportunity and platform. So, KOPN, thank you so much. Well, thank you so much to you, Jenny, for con contributing all your oh time goodness, and energy. It, so I just wanted you all to know that it took me a little bit to convince both Sarah and Jenny and some of the other <laughs> guests who've been on here. Um, and yet uh, they just really stepped forward. And if you've been listening to the show, you know that they've really done a stellar job. So if you're thinking, oh, I could never be on community radio, if someone invites you or you're thinking, oh, but I have this idea, you, you might consider that it's it's really a little bit less intimidating than you might think. Um, my uh, daughter and oftentimes engineer says about your health matters, she says, Mom, you know, you're just having an interesting conversation with somebody whose thoughts you like, and then you're inviting eavesdroppers. So um, it really has felt like this as well. I've been mean, having these um, really uh, interesting conversations with my friends, uh, Jenny and Sarah and several others, um, about things we've been talking about along and along anyway, and we've just been inviting our community to eavesdrop. Um, mm. the other and it has been delightful. I was a little hesitant, <laughs> <laughs> but it was actually fun every single time, and I was always glad to be asked. 
One of the things that I've been reflecting on is how um, I think we kind of expected if we were going to come into a global pandemic that our public health leaders would lead us and that our elected officials would like step right up to the front and show us the way. And, and my experience is that that really didn't happen, that mm -hmm. uh, public health has been defunded and uh, disassembled um, over the years. Um, and while they were doing their best and saying what they needed to say, our elected and appointed leaders were not really, they, many of them were disappointing. I'm just going to say they were, many of them were disappointing. And what happened was we got this dispersed leadership, you know, um, so that many people uh, really stepped up, people who were superintendents of schools, uh, people who were on city councils or county commissioners, people in local county public health departments, and just the general public said, you know what, I don't know what's the right thing to do, but I'm going to stay away from people and wear my mask and wash my hands and tell people until I'm convinced that interacting with people is safer. Um, and I think that's another place that community radio really shines. So I, and as we, you know, as we're talking about um, bringing this show to a close, I really feel like I'm handing the baton off to all of the people in the community to, you know, continue to notice, as Sarah says, not look past the headlines and into what's the data. Uh, when somebody says something is or isn't safe, well, it's probably not absolutely either. If something is or isn't effective, it's probably not 100% either way. So the question is uh, safe about what, effective to do what. Um, if, you know, when people say, is this activity safe? Well, you know, nothing's totally safe. So it's all about weighing the risks and benefits of your different options. And um, so I'm just going to, I feel like I, we're handing this this responsibility back to the community, and I just am hoping that that's going to um, really help people find their own power and find leadership in other ways as well. Well, maybe to defend our public health leaders, and oh, please also do. <laughs> for, for understanding for the general public on, you know, when and when they did speak out, um, when they were leaders, as we expected, there was consequences to that. Absolutely. Um, we look at St. Louis County and. Um, their progressive and aggressive policies that were put in place and then our state legislature stepping up and taking away local authority and power because those leaders did stand up and step out. Um, so there was fear from our, our public health leaders, and, and rightfully so, that if they stepped too far and too far being to control the pandemic, that, that they would have no power at all left. Absolutely. Um, and so on that vein, I'm going to plug that this is a really big day for me, and I hope I'm going to get through it all without sobbing on the radio. Um, it's also the last day of Your Health Matters. So this evening I will be interviewing Clay Goddard, who is with the Missouri Foundation for Health now. Um, but up until March, he was the uh, head of the Greene County Public Health Department for uh, a, a couple of decades, I think. And Greene County Public Health Department was really, you know, leaning forward and taking leadership um, in a way that was, that caught Jenny's eye and she pointed it out to me. Um, and he and I will be, um, I'm kind of surprised he's willing to do this, but he, we're going to sort of take a look back and see how public health did or did not uh, do the job that we had hoped it, it would and why. And a lot of it is, you know, many people may not know that Missouri is 49th out of 50 in funding our public health departments. Um, so, uh, and we have been for a long time. Wow. 
<laughs> yeah. Um, so we, we were, you know, in Missouri, we were needing to step up and um, to face a global pandemic after decades of shoestring budgets and um, uh, limitations. And with, like, the health departments were already doing more than what they were funded to do. So they were already trying to help us with, say, HIV and syphilis and tuberculosis and uh, smoking and tobacco policy. I'm sure that... Um, Sarah and Jenny could give me a longer list, but they are busy folks in normal times. And then we added on to them that, oh, yeah, now please do this other huge thing. So, Elizabeth, as we wrap up the show and we think about, you know, the community knowing what they need to know and that, you know, I heard some excitement. Yay, we're back in the studio. We are, are, are getting past this. I just want to bring light to continuing to think about the fact that it is not the me, we are pa- me, I am past this, I get to go back out again in the world, but the we. And when we look internationally and think about the access to vaccines, Tim, I heard you say, like, we didn't know when we were going to get access to the vaccine. And I think, I mean, there was a while that just like, who can get access and when? I just want, like, I heard a story from a friend of mine who is from Jordan and his father um, received the vaccine. And, and in Jordan, you are offered for free that Chinese vaccine, but there's a whole lot of skepticism about um, its um, safety. And so you can purchase the AstraZeneca vaccine for about $2,000 and for much, much more, you can get Pfizer. And so when we think about countries and access and equity, we still have a long way to go in this pandemic on a global level. Right. Global pandemics are by definition global. Go ahead, Sarah. (laughs) That is so true. And I would also, as a you know, parting thought, encourage people bringing it back around to what we were talking about earlier: the safety of the things. You can think about all of the prevention and mitigation efforts, which include vaccines, which include modifying our behavior, which include mask wearing. We encourage people to think of those as tools. And as Ginny pointed out, we are so very fortunate to have access to some tools that other people do not have right now. And they're all this big toolbox of prevention measures that we can that we can pull from. And we might need all of them, and we might need some of them more in one circumstance and some of them in another. But that we can't let go of them yet. It's not time. We still need to use the tools that we have? Well, for me, um, I'll say um, Community Pulse was quite a personal experience because um, I did have the virus in December last year. Uh, Myself and my family, my wife were affected, except my daughter. For some reason, she was able to pull through. She wasn't affected. And for that period, it was like a reflection for me. And so when I fully recovered and I took the vaccine twice, and I met Tim. Of course, I was very willing to come on air to serve as a volunteer to talk about this COVID-19 and to see the impact of people's response to taking the virus, taking the vaccine, I beg your pardon, and getting cured. So for me, um, community polls will always be memorable. And thank you so much for the opportunity, KOPN, for allowing me to volunteer. And thank you, Missouri, for supporting us and also joining the fight to get rid of COVID-19. Yeah. Well, thank you, Mazino, for stepping in as an engineer here towards the tail end of this program. And, yeah. you know, that's uh, just 
another example of how people can become involved in KOPN, you know, all sorts of reasons draw people uh, to this idea of community radio. Right. People can plug in in so many different ways to express express themselves, to maybe use some of their specialized skills that they can't uh, put to use elsewhere. And we're so grateful uh, to have um, people like you and Dr. Allman and Jenny and Sarah and everyone who's been involved with the show and all of our guests um, to step in and, and just to contribute. Because as I continue to say all week, you know, community radio really can't happen without the contributions of our community. Yes. Right. So be generous. If this was a show that helped you, uh, you can call in to uh, make the donation, uh, 874-5676. Please be generous um, because, uh, uh, as, as Tim said, community radio happens because of community. That's right. Well... I think it's about time to wrap up this final <laughs> episode. You, I know Columbia. it's a little bittersweet. Uh, you know, this program first aired on March 20th, 2020, uh, over a year ago, and we've had over 170 programs. Wow. All of which are available online on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. I do just want to take this opportunity to thank our hosts, Dr. Elizabeth Alleman, public health advocate Jenny Chadwick, and frequent contributor Sarah Davis, who joined us today on the line, uh, for all of the time and energy that you've put into informing our community about this pandemic. Um, I also want to thank the engineers of this program, Mallory Daly, Mazzino Dixon, who was here with us today, and as well as Allie Chapman, who's been posting this program online as a podcast. Are we going to not mention Peter? Oh, and Peter. <laughs> Peter Weiss. I almost forgot I Peter. Like, Peter Weiss. supposedly being I'm anonymous? Too. Thank you so much. And Peter Weiss, our wonderful engineer who joined us for so long. Right. He couldn't be here today. Um, but my name is Tim Pilcher, and I just want to take this opportunity to send my gratitude out to all of you, our listening community, for tuning into Community Pulse and for supporting your community radio station, KOPN.